Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Top 150. We're just talking all the players edition today. I'm Ian Harditz. Joining me as always, the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne's second podcast today. Great day to be great, my friend. And, you know, I don't say it's enough, man. Your, your hair looks great. It always does, but just, just throwing it out there. You're just saying that because Evan's here. You're trying to be Uh-oh. nice to me, but, but but that's okay. Yeah, uh, it is a great day to be great. Look, we get we've got Evan here to talk about the 150. We chatted with uh, Ray GQ, Ray Garvin earlier about rookies. So yeah, man, like talking ball. And we got football tonight. Like, what's there not to like? That's wild. As Dwayne mentioned, (laughs) I'm sorry, Evan, I was trying to intro you. Dwayne's kind of taking my thunder there. The one, (laughs) the only, the goat of the freaking industry, in my opinion, top dog, the big dog himself, established to run's finest, Evan Silva. You've been on this podcast a few times, Evan. Always appreciate you taking the time to come talk to us youngins. At least I'm a youngin. I don't know how old Dwayne is these days. But what's going on, Evan? August 4th, we got training camp going. Football, live football is being played tonight. Come on, man. That's pretty great. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild that we're already here. Um, hopefully we get some Zamir White action tonight. Snoop Connor is going to be the star of the show, I think. Uh, we could play some DFS tonight. I mean, it is a great day to be great. <laughs> Want to give a shout out quickly to the Establish uh, the Run product. I mean, the stuff you guys do for preseason. Uh, Cody Main in particular, you know, had him on the pod doing all things USFL. My goodness, that man is a grinder. And, you know, you can get all the preseason stuff from the guys at Establish the Run. And they also have their preseason entire draft kick. Get Evan's top 150, all the Adam, Le- Adam Levitan goodness as well. You know, these guys are top dogs for a reason. But we are here today to talk a lot about Evan's top 150 and some of Dwayne's and I just takeaways, questions, all things like that. So, Dwayne, I think you have a quarterback question to start things off. Yeah. So, you know, and Evan, you may have updated the 150. This is I looked at it a couple of days ago. So no. you probably have a, a recent update. So if there's anything we say, just let us know. That's not right. But uh, you currently got Lamar, you know, he's your number 64 player. I'm sure he's somewhere around there. But you've got him quickly followed by Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert. They're all within like 10 picks, you know, in your top 150. Um, you know, we're typically seeing Murray and Hertz go in that range. Like if you're picking in that range, like you can get those, you can get Lamar in like the beginning of the, of the fifth round. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you can get Murray at the end of the fifth, sometimes slides Mm -hmm. into the sixth. Jalen Hertz typically is a six round pick. So just knowing that and those dual threat go, those, those, uh, dual threat guys, like how are you prioritizing them in your drafts? And just what's your general approach for quarterback in 2022? So when I put out the first like serious top 150, and often I'll put out just a, a real rough draft right after the NFL draft, just to just to kind of get something out there. Um, but the way that I put together the the serious top 150s are, I, I will start with uh, tiers, you know, and, and I'll separate the guys into tiers, and they'll just be big blocks of players. Like this running back tier is like all in a row. This quarterback tier is like all in a row, and. That's still like the, I, there's not a whole lot of separation between these quarterbacks right now because they're all in the same tier for me um, as it as it relates to the top 150. So Lamar Jackson being ahead of Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Kyle, Kyler Murray, like I think you could throw all those guys in a hat and turn out to be just as right as, as like my projection here has them. Lamar Jackson, why have him higher than the other guys here that we're talking about is because I think he's probably the only quarterback in the NFL with legit a thousand yard rushing upside. We've seen him do that before and he can legit rush for a hundred yards in a given, in a given week, which of course is like a bonus on DraftKings, and, you know, so different than what so many other quarterbacks can do. Now, Kyler Murray can do that a little bit uh, and Jalen Hurts can get in there and do that a little bit, 
But, I mean, we've seen Lamar Jackson win the MVP, lead the NFL in passing touchdowns before. You know, he's kind of done it, and he's done the 1,000-yard rushing thing as well. So that's why I have him at the top of the tier. But, again, all those guys are really close in, in terms of rankings. PFF uh, fantasy projections manned up by the always <laughs> excellent Dr. Eric Eager. Lamar Jackson right now, projection. Just a medium projection, man. 1,078 rushing yards. So really is firmly right there in his possible, not even projected, I'd say, range mm-hmm. of outcomes. E- Evan, I know you've been drafting all summer. It does seem like round five, round six, like once we kind of get through those top 24 wide receivers, you know, the top 18 running backs, that is the spot where whether it's Lamar, Kyler, mm-hmm. whoever's falling there, even Jalen Hurts, I think we can put in that tier. I find myself more and more loving any of those quarterbacks in that range just by virtue of, you know, you're picking them over like guys like Dalton Schultz and J.K. Dobbins and these guys that I just want nothing to do with. Yeah, I think that in terms of a general approach to to drafting quarterbacks this year, I think that last year and, and, and the year before showed us that these elite dual threat quarterbacks are they're beginning to separate, you know, um, and enough that they are starting to become worth the early to middle round picks. So I, I, I try to gear all my draft strategies uh, based on that particular draft. Like, hey, if I'm taking Travis Kelsey at like pick 10, I'm going to be a lot more willing to pull the trigger on Patrick Mahomes in the fourth round. Um, you know, yeah. and, and then, but, but I'm still trying to, tra- tra- trying to take a, um, a, a value-based approach and trying to let the quarterbacks come to me you know, as Dwayne mentioned, sometimes Kyler Murray will fall, especially after this um this this contract thing. People got like spooked by it. DeAndre Hopkins out for the first six weeks, but we know that Kyler Murray has incredibly dynamic ability. Um, and and if he ends up being the last quarterback in that tier that we've been discussing, love to take him. And I I don't think Dwayne, you haven't gotten spooked off him, have you? No, no. <clears throat> I like that he plays Call of Duty. I, I don't yeah, really yeah. care. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> as long as he keeps running <laughs> and keeps throwing the football the way he has. I, I mean, so you're telling me right. now maybe he actually is going to study more? I mean, I don't know. I, I look at that as all upside, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, and he's been getting better. Like, he's gotten better yes. every year of his career. I mean, so maybe he doesn't need to – how much How much tape did Brett Favre watch, do you think? <laughs> Not yeah, a whole lot. Didn't, he, didn't, yeah. he, well, didn't it take him to, like, his third year to learn uh, what a nickel defense was? I, I can't believe they, how long they pull out a linebacker and they put in a slot corner. You know, that's it. I just can't believe how long that storyline persisted out there. Like, just just go watch Kyle. Like the the things that are said about Kyler Lamar. You know, we don't need to get into all of it, but like, just watch the freaking film sometimes, people. But Evan, you got Jalen Hurts QB three man respect. I agree, he's in the tier with those guys. So you know, Dwayne and I have him QB six. But again, not going to fault you for having him up there. My bigger question though is, we talked about these dual threat quarterbacks, and you know, I did a study looking at quarterbacks that hit. 125 rush attempts. I think it was an average of five or six rush attempts uh, per game, just over 17 games. So only 12 of them, I believe, over the last 10 years have gotten to that point. 11, even points per game basis, still finished top 12. 2020 Cam Newton with the Patriots was the only guy that wasn't able to get there. So when I look at guys like like Trey Lance, like Justin Fields, I'm just not sure how they bust, man, with these rushing workloads mm. going over 17 games. In Trey Lance's case, it really does. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's out of the picture. We heard it from Kyle Shanahan himself. Like, when you look at guys like Trey Lance, I mean, why are we still ranking potentially Russell Wilson and Dak ahead of him? And why is Fields behind the Cousins and Derek Cartier when, again, if they just have these rush attempts that we're pretty much expecting them to have, that upside is exactly what we're kind of buying guys like Jalen Hurts for in the first place. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I agree with your general sentiment there. I mean, I have fields ahead of those, you know, pure pocket passers who nice. have a limited ceiling, you know. Um, but I, I understand the trepidation about Justin Fields. I mean, he was not good last year. He kind of slipped in the draft. You know, there have been the, the supporting cast is just god awful, and they keep losing guys on the offensive line. I mean, they lost Dakota Dozier, had a real good chance to be their starting right guard, like right as camp was opening. He's done for the year. And they just lost Lucas Patrick, who they signed to be their starting center. You know, and they're and they're trying to get rid of Tevin Jenkins, who the previous regime traded up for essentially into the first round. I think it was a top 35 pick, Tevin Jenkins was. Um, so I mean, it's it's a disastrous supporting cast for Justin Fields. And I think it could end up looking a lot like last year. With that said, last year, as the season progressed, Justin Fields did get better. Um, he did, you know, he became more comfortable as a player. We saw, I mean, we saw his big play potential late in, late in the season. I feel a lot more confident in Trey Lance, though. Yeah. Um, and I think that you can make an argument for him to be included in, like, the, the, in the Jalen Hurts range um, from, a, from a, a prospecting and projecting standpoint. Um, but we've also seen Jalen Hurts do it. I mean, Jalen Hurts was a machine in terms of 18, 20 point fantasy games last year. So he's done it. And Trey Lance obviously has not done it. And so Jalen Hurts gets, you know, get, gets to be ranked above uh, Trey Lance, I think, just on the basis of that. Have you considered bumping Lance up now that we've actually had, you know, I didn't know we would yeah. get this from Shanahan, right? right? Basically, what I wanted originally was like, let's just see Garoppolo traded because Shanahan's. You know, he can just pull some shit. You know, you know how it goes. Yeah. Right. And we usually don't get any notice like from the beat reporters. It's like, you know, because they're, you know, everything's behind the curtain. But like now that he's come out and said, we're going with Trey Lance. Like he's our dude. We're turning the page, essentially. Have you had any thoughts about moving him up? Because I'm I'm with you. I feel, I moved yeah. him up behind Hertz. Now you still can get him okay, later, so yeah. people don't have to draft him there. So you right. always put that caveat there, but like he is a priority for me. Is he? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've got him at quarterback 11. Um, I, I definitely think that I could, I could, you know, grow a, a level of confidence with him. I I've thought about moving him up with Brandon Ayuk together because I think that, um, that, that in terms, in terms of like a, from a passing skill set standpoint, I think the 49ers are going to be a little bit more vertical this year. And Brandon Ayuk is more of their vertical receiver than is Debo Samuel. Um, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff is always under consideration. And I agree with you that they've essentially annexed Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, he's not – they had to get him out of the building because, hey, if they start one and two and then Trey Lance throws, like, you know, a pick and, and loses a fumble in game four, like, they know they can win with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I, I'm i with you that it, it's it's good or it, it increases the confidence level in Trey Lance that they've, like uh, you know, excommunicated – um, annex is not the word. Excommunicated uh, Jimmy Garoppolo from the building because Kyle Shanahan. I'm totally with you. He, you know, game four. It's like we know we can win this with with this guy. I've I've had Lance up at QB seven for a while, but that was always Dwayne's hesitation, and I, I think that mm -hmm. it was the right process to kind of have going with it. But now, now that's not man. Like I, I understand we we saw Lance throw the football last year. Okay, you know we had that hot one down the seam, the Kittle, the one handed snag against the Texans. Like you saw the flashes of stuff going on, mm -hmm. but more than anything, man, it's just like if there was ever an offense to just get the most out of a young quarterback like this with yak and some easy design plays, it's this one. Just dump the ball six inches up to Debo Samuel. 
on George Kittle like Jimmy's been doing, and it should be fine. And I don't even think we need to like slander Jimmy G when talking about Trey Lance's potential yards per attempt. Look what Nick Mullins did a couple years ago before Debo and you know Ayuk yeah. even in the picture in that offense, you know, averaging over eight yards per attempt. Last point here uh, before we move on though is just. Dwayne and I have done a couple of these football guys uh, drafts now, you know, the old high stakes leagues and all that. Mm. And man, first one, Justin Fields went round 17. Like we had Carr and mm. Cousins in round 12 and 13. Uh, Johnny Daigle and I did one last <laughs> night and I saw Fields go round 15. So it's just one of those things where I am intrigued at that much of a discount, Evan. Just, all right, like yeah. Justin Fields is the late round QB if you want to go that route. Yeah, and I'm sort of not surprised by uh, him falling so late in those FFPC drafts because th- those can be some boomer drafts at times. <laughs> That's fair. But, um, but yeah. There's a lot no. of people that will only draft one quarterback. <laughs> yeah, so, that too, right. So, guys, you know, the the guys that are considered in that, in that 13 to 15, you know, 13 to 18 range, they could fall off the map. Yeah. Yeah. I got Trey Lance on the 17th in my first one, Ian. Wow. Oh, <laughs> It was in the hard way. It was in the hard way draft with a bunch of the guys that play all the time. And they just kept ignoring him. Like you said, and I was like, well, normally I don't draft a second quarterback. If you guys are going to leave Trey Lance here in round 17, I mean, screw mm-hmm. it. And that kind of takes us to our next question, Joy, because we took Deshaun Watson as our second quarterback a couple of weeks ago, but things are changing. Yeah. So, I mean, the big thing here, you know, we do have things changing, you know, with Watson, you know, we've had it change twice this week. I, I guess we always knew, right. The, you know, the, the league could appeal it and that there was a good chance that was going to happen. But now like the range of outcomes on this, like when you start trying to dig into like what's actually going on, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly just like, uh, okay, so maybe now he could actually play week one. He could play a whole season. He could not play a season. Maybe we don't see Deshaun Watson ever again. I have no clue like what's really yeah. going to happen. But at the end of the day, what I do know is if there is a range on Watson, meaning we could see him sometime, more time than we think, or not at all, doesn't matter. What I know is when he's on the field, setting everything else aside, look, some people do not like Deshaun Watson, and I get it. Like, if you just don't want to draft him because you don't like him as a human, I think that's totally cool. But if we're just talking fantasy points, like if I get in a draft and I don't get like the targets I want at quarterback and I'm having to wait and say maybe my QB1 is a Derek Carr, I mean, Watson is the guy that I'm still looking at, like along with Fields. We've already talked him just because what he can do in a points per game, you know, from a points per game standpoint, um, even though I'm taking on that risk, right, of, of him potentially being cut. But you can also still get him late. Like you get him in like, you know, round 14, round 15, probably going to move down again, Evan. Like probably going to be able to get him around like 16 and 17 again now that there's this wider range of outcomes. Are you prioritizing Watson at all this season? Do you see any kind of build you would be creating where you would actually think, yeah, you know, I'm going to throw Watson on this team? Yeah, you know, I was in a Draft Sharks, uh, the the Twitter Invitational or whatever, last night. Yeah, Yeah, it was Superflex, and I wanted to try to find where Deshaun Watson went, but I can't find it right now. Um, He was, like, on my radar at one point as my uh, potential QB3. Um, After I took quarterbacks in, like, the third and fourth round, and I, I thought about pulling the. Tr- I just I don't know. It, 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 I don't have a great feel for where to take him. I don't have a f- great feel to where for where to take him. It's still possible that he could su- be suspended ten games, twelve games, the full season. I'm um, I'm just kind of letting other people draft him. I know that's leaving some potential upside on the board, uh, but I you know, and although his ceiling is very very high, um, you know, quarterback points still are, tend to be somewhat replaceable. And it just just too much uncertainty for me at, at a position where the the position has such a high floor in terms of scoring already. 
Dwayne, you showed me the uh, FFPC kind of chart that was just showing like the individual data point of like where Watson was going in every single draft and didn't exactly crunch the numbers. I'm guessing his standard deviation is like larger than almost any other player out there at this point. Like one day he'll go around 12, the next day he could go in round 17. So I think just realizing that and being willing to take him when he does slide, maybe just maybe throw an extra dart at his hopeful co-pilot, Will Fuller, who is still yet to sign shortly thereafter. That's kind of my perspective on it, Dwayne, but it, it really just is a situation where who the hell knows, man? Yeah. Looks like my last favorite, night he, my went, favorite he, went, he went, he went, he went 10th round. Okay. Uh, here in, in this super, flex. super flex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you guys think about sense. that? I think it makes sense if you're super flex. I think it also yeah. depends on your build, right? Yeah. You know, and what you yeah. have, you know, how you're willing to reach like, non superflex the one build where i like him the most is like, like say you go anchor rb and you just mm-hmm. let off and mm-hmm. you nail wide receivers you get your tight end you've got everything and then you come back and you hit your rb2s but rb2 is your main question right and say say you're going to flex receiver you you feel good there whatever you've got your flex covered i don't really care which position it is but you really get to the end of it and you're like i've got this one weak spot and i've already taken a good quarterback I kind of like it in that build because I'm essentially just doubling down on, well, if for some reason I took Jalen Hurts and he does get hurt, really there's only one, get two guys I should draft late that could potentially replace Jalen Hurts if he went down. And I think it is Justin Fields, you know, and it's Deshaun Watson. Otherwise, if I'm not in a best ball, I'm not in a super flex, I don't really see a point in drafting any of those other quarterbacks. Like I'm just going to play it off of the wire, but it's just about keeping my one weakness on my team you know, at least in theory, we know once the season starts, everything gets blown to hell. But like going in, like I'd like to keep my weakness to that one thing. And then it's like, okay, I'm just going to work the wire hard at running back in that kind of a scenario. And so maybe you have Jalen Hurts and you have Deshaun Watson down there. My, my thought is if you got a quarterback that good, there's really not another one worth drafting late. You might as well just roll with your one. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, let's talk a little running back here, guys. Evan, right now, most recent – one I saw of your top 150, Saquon Barkley, 26 overall player, RB14 off the board. Seems like more and more, man, he's gone by the middle point of round two. I wouldn't yep. be shocked if he's starting to go around the round one turn uh, by the time, you know, drafts are really heating up at the end of August. Are you comfortable just not really having any Saquon Barkley this year? Because you're going to need to be bumping him up here if you want some exposure. I know. I know. Um, I think I'm comfortable. Well, when you say you think you're comfortable, you're not comfortable, probably, right? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I heard a pause I get, there, Evan. I know, I, I, I get it. I mean, because he's one of these rare running backs that could end up playing eighty percent of the snaps, or you know, something close to it, and being like a full, full blown workhorse for the entire season under under a new offensive regime that I think we probably all agree we could trust a lot more than the oh, than yeah. the la- than the last two. What a disaster, Joe Judge and Jason Garrett. You couldn't couldn't draw it up any worse than that, right? Um, I just <clears throat> I, I haven't really seen him play good football in, in years at this point. He can't stay healthy. Um, I, I'm his productivity has been way down, you know, and I remember him and I talked about this with Dwayne when, when we did our our, uh, our backfield breakdown show. And you know, I remember him coming out of college. He was a boomer bust runner and he was very explosive laterally, um, but he was explosive vertically at that time. Um, and and he would you know, he would he would often get stacked up at the line of scrimmage, but when when he got a crease, like he could put his foot in the ground and accelerate vertically and bust like 60 yard runs. And so that would you you would forgive him for all the bad runs that he mixed in there because he would break these long ones. And I don't know if he can put his foot in the ground and accelerate like he used to. 
can, can he could he have like lost that for a year and a half due to the injuries and then get it back? I don't know. The Twitter doctors seem to be upbeat on him, though. Um, I, again, I'm willing to reconsider. I look at the rankings every day and think about doing stuff and then try to take almost like a conservative approach and not look at it until the next day. And I don't know. It's, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a fun time to, to talk about the rankings, but right now I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting any Saquon Barkley as you might, you, you know, as you alluded to uh, previously. Evan, what are your thoughts on what Saquon, let, let's say he doesn't get his, cause I, I've thought about this too. And, and like you said, we talked about it. I do think the concern about him potentially not having his explosion back is probably the biggest risk uh, injury we could count, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Again, I do count on, I'm like you, I count on the Twitter docs there. I mean, they've been, pretty much said, look, this stuff's all uncorrelated. Like it's not, it's not stuff where we would just expect it to keep happening. Like he should, okay. he is yeah. kind of as good of a chance as anybody to be healthy in a season, but the explosiveness is a question. I'm kind of betting on the fact that he's young, but I guess the question mm-hmm. I ask myself is, well, maybe he's not, what if he's not, as explosive, do I really think there's any chance he doesn't at least get just 70% of all the work in the backfield? Right, and then I, I ask, so right. what is that floor worth? What is that floor? My my thought is that's probably still at least a third round pick at his floor, assuming mm-hmm. he doesn't get hurt. But if he somehow does have the explosiveness, mm-hmm. holy crap, like, you know, he could be an RB1 overall, right? And again, we would need the old Saquon back. Who knows if we get it? So any thoughts about that when you think about his floor? Or do you think I'm overestimating that? Floor? No, it's a very good breakdown because it shows that he's a high floor high upside player you know and that's what we're looking for you know guys that we can count on and hey if this one thing if we're wrong about this one thing and it goes right for the player like bam all of a sudden we have a first round caliber value um so i don't know god you you guys are talking me into this (laughs) well the one thing man evan talked about just he, he hasn't looked like the same guy for my money's worth, man, 2018, right. 2019. I thought Saquon was the best running back in the league. Like just the things he could do with the ball in his hands. And maybe a little bit of that is, you know, highlight YouTube culture, just, you know, guys like Tony Pollard, Javante Williams. I, I just mm-hmm. don't think we probably give enough credit to the guys that are working probably more so within the confines of what the play caller is actually trying to accomplish. But either way, and I heard Graham Barfield, who obviously knows running backs as well as anyone echo the same point. Like it was scary at points late in last season how you couldn't tell the difference if Saquon Barkley or Devontae Booker had the football. And it mm-hmm. became an issue in terms of the usage out there. Number 26, number 28 wasn't pretty, but we look at it now. Matt Breida's the biggest competition. He couldn't carve out a role with Brian Dable as well. We'll see, man. I it is weird. It, it is weird, Evan. I know you uh pay a lot of attention to you know, just everything that goes on, but particularly the coaching front office changes and all that. When's the last time the Giants have kind of made this many seemingly good coaching decisions in a row? Because I am here to trust an offense led by two guys that helped, you know, construct the Bills and Chiefs. It's been a very, 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 very long time. You know, the the, <laughs> Gi- the Giants, like for a long time, and maybe they're they're crawling out of this. They were like the classic cocoon team yeah. where, you know, they just keep bringing back the old guys, Dave Gettleman. You know, they're obviously the perfect example of that. Um you know, so you know, guys that they could put around Eli that loved Eli that you know were were there when when Eli was had like almost like creating a false narrative that Eli could still play by bringing back the guys that had success when Eli was in his prime. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, listen, people are out here gassing up Matt Breida. That, that's how thin the depth chart is for the Giants, and that's another sort of feather in in, in Saquon Barkley's cap that this dude is. Um, 
you know, he's very protected right now in terms of his um, his projected uh, uh, volume. When, when we're drafting, and Ian, there's two names I just act, I act like I don't hear from Ian when he says them, like, and he tries to tell me to put them in the queue, and one of them is Matt Breida. The other one's yeah. Hayden Hurst for some reason. <laughs> I still don't know what Ian will call it out at the pot. He's like, I've mentioned this guy like five times, and Dwayne still hasn't put him in the queue yet. <laughs> Dwayne just completely ignores me uh, with that. Yeah, I've seen some of the Matt Breida, you know, the old like Juju Smith-Schuster take where it's like, well, look at this thing he did back in 2018. That's why we yeah. should draft him this yeah. year. All right, Evan, look, going a little bit further down the running back rank. So last year, you know, couldn't have a fantasy podcast without talking about the running back dead zone. I think – I don't know if there's as clear of a stretch of guys this year, but there certainly are a group of running backs that based on ADP, I'm not all that interested in looking kind of at the low end RB two to higher end RB three mm-hmm. range guys like CEH, Miles Sanders, Dobbins, AJ Dillon, Antonio Gibson, guys of that nature. Is there someone that sticks out to you in that range that, you know, you're looking to get maybe in builds where you only have one running back at this point? I think it is A.J. Dillon because I think that he has a, sec- a very secure role in an offense where, I mean, he's now one of the top, the three best players in terms of their skill position players. And I think he's got a locked-in role. And I think the Packers are going to control games in that terrible division with a really good defense and their offensive line is coming back together, getting guys healthy. And, you know, they, you know they're going to get efficient quarterback play and they're just going to live in, in enemy territory. And they're going to have a lot of scoring position chances. The thing with A.J. Dillon is his ADP is, is really high right now. I mean, you could see him go fifth round at times. So he's, and he, I don't think he ever gets out of the sixth. No. Um, but I, I still think he's got that, that – I think he's got a high floor and high, very high upside derived from his touchdown potential. Um, the guy I've been getting most is Miles Sanders. Ooh. And, you know, no, no one wants to draft him. He's been hyper-efficient. I mean, I think he's at like almost five and a half yards per carry over the last two seasons. Everyone agrees that the Eagles are going to have a ass-kicking offensive line this year. They've got depth on the offensive line as well. So if, if guys go down, which seems like every year a bunch of guys go down in Philly, they've got some you know some room to backfill. Miles Sanders has just been he's he's struggled with durability and reliability, and his his target projection is pretty pretty low. Um, but I think he had, I mean, I think he's almost locked in as the lead back in what, what should be one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL. No one wants to take him. You know, he falls to the seventh routinely. Um, and sometimes you can even get him in the eighth and it's hard for me to not pull the trigger on them, on him there, even if he's like my RB three at that point. Any thoughts, Ian, on. Elijah Mitchell, <laughs> you're, you're the guy that opened my eyes on Tyrion Davis price when I was listening to y'all's pod. And I was just like, man, like Evan, Evan's right. Evan's right on this. So where are you at on Mitchell? And if you're not on Mitchell, if you want to throw any thoughts on, on TDP, I don't think we have any other questions for you on here on TDP. No, we don't. So well, you, just, the floor is also yours on Tyrion Davis. Just, price. just real quick. There's a lot of similarities with miles Sanders and Elijah Mitchell in terms of being yeah. the lead early down back mm-hmm. in an offense with this rushing dual threat quarterback with a, you know, big badass offensive line that we're expecting to really be able to, you know, establish the run. The difference is, you know, right now, underdog fantasy, Mitchell's going pick 65, Sanders going pick 82. And 
Evan, it does seem like, you know, a lot of the stuff that is maybe impacting Miles Sanders is just dumb. I mean, he said, don't pick me in fantasy football. We have people writing in the second day of training camp that he was running with the twos. For me, like my concern was kind of like an OTAs when I forget what beat reporter was, but they were talking about maybe bringing back a Jordan Howard or someone to Mm -hmm. take some of those goal line carries. Here we are on August 4th and that hasn't happened. So yeah. How do you uh, stack up Mitchell versus Sanders? Well, you say they are similar and there are a lot of similarities between them, you know, both the projected lead backs in what we expect to be highly productive rushing attacks. However, there actually are some issues on the 49ers offensive line right now. Number one, number two, the Eagles didn't add anybody to their backfield. They only subtracted guys like, like Jordan Howard. And whereas the 49ers had a third round pick to their backfield, Elijah Mitchell needed um, knee surgery after the season. He missed a bunch of games with a, a, a ribs issue. And he didn't come into the NFL as like a, a, a workhorse potential type player. Miles Sanders did. Miles Sanders was obviously a second round pick. The draft capital is old enough now that it probably doesn't matter. But Miles Sanders did come into that into the league with that on his profile. Elijah Mitchell was more of like, you know, a Raheem Mostert. Like on paper, Elijah Mitchell and Raheem Mostert, very similar players. Um, and I, I think that Elijah Mitchell just projects as more of like a change of pace back long term. That's why you bring it. That's why you use a third round pick on a 225 pound bell cow uh, built back, uh, you know, like, like Tyrion Davis Price. So, you know, that, that's just kind of my assessment of those two backfields, where they differ and where they're where they're they're similar. Dwayne, you still on TDP? What about bulked up Trey Sermon turning <laughs> yoked up, man? Tur- yoked up. Yoked up Trey Sermon turning the same heads of the 49ers beat reporters that had absolutely no idea what was going on this time last year. <laughs> Whatever the 49ers beat reporters say, and I don't even I don't even hold it against them, but like I'm just gonna do the opposite. <laughs> well, there was like a, a period apparently right before the season where they shut off all reporter access and during that time two guys lost their starting jobs yeah Trey Sermon and Brandon Ayuk and the beat writers didn't know about it because they weren't allowed to be at the practices you know so I I I don't blame him either I mean Matt Barrows and Matt Mayaka are two of the best beat writers yeah like of our lifetimes like I mean they're really freaking good I'm, I'm, I'm having a little fun poking with them, but yes, I always appreciate the contributions from all of our lovely beat writers and an, another shout out to the at 32 beat writers, Twitter account, love getting the compilation from all those. And as they point out in their, you know, Twitter head header, you should also follow the beat writers because they're awesome. Evan, I think you were the first person I heard really give a big pitch on Ramondre Stevenson. You started a whirlwind, man. I'm not sure I've seen someone get this sort of hype last few days. Really? He hasn't been practicing. I, weird man like he's someone that most people have ranked you haven't ranked rb31 ahead of damian harris which kudos to you because i feel like most people are hyping him up this much it's like if you love him that much then just take him ahead of damian harris rank him ahead of damian harris yeah yeah. i'm curious though like what the pathway you see because to me i don't think damian harris is going anywhere i hear some talks about like oh they'll trade damian harris i don't see that happening as much as I guess I can get behind the idea Stevenson's a better runner than Harris. I don't see him being better enough in this right. committee system to completely take that. The path to Stevenson's success has to be him just getting that pass down role, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, gradually moving out in front of Damian Harris. And, I mean, there have been indications on the practice field that that could be the case. I mean, it, and it hasn't just been Peter King talking about it. It's been um, Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. 
And there have been, you know, there's been, you know, reports of that also in the Boston Globe that Ramondre Stevenson is getting chances to become the lead back. Um, I agree with you. I don't think that Damian Harris is in all likelihood going anywhere. Although they, they did draft two RBs. Um, they've always kind of liked J.J. Taylor, I guess. They signed Ty Montgomery. Um, so, I mean, if they got a trade offer for Damian, it's not like they're going to go extend Damian Harris's contract, right? Yeah. I, so I guess I, if they got a trade, I don't, I'm not projecting NFL trades right now. Okay. We're, 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 I mean, that's kind of <laughs> ridiculous, Why but, not, but, but, but we have, <laughs> but we have the superior passing game ability of Ramondre Stevenson and being, you know, at, I think he's at least as good of a runner as Damian Harris. I'm not going to say he's better. I think Damian Harris is a really good runner. Um, so I just think that the upside is higher with Ramondre Stevenson because he's got superior passing game capability. He's just as good of a runner as Damian Harris, if not better. And now he's getting the, the opportunities in practice to show that he could be like a legit, legit lead back. And, you know, ultimately, again, I don't think Damian Harris is going anywhere, but could we get Ramondre Stevenson into that 13 to 15 touches per game range in an offense that is, you know, committed to heavy running back usage and, Still has a pretty damn good offensive line, and um, you know, and he can catch checkdown passes from Mac Jones. Like, I, I think Ramondre Stevenson has more upside. Therefore, although I have them ranked literally back to back, more upside with, with uh, Ramondre. And he does have, I mean, a blow up path should something happen to Damian Harris, you know, injury wise. Can we say a lot of these same things though about Kareem Hunt though, Evan? Like, I've been scooping up a lot of uh, yeah. Kareem as he gets into round eight or nine. Just someone that. I know they drafted Jerome Ford. Darren Johnson is a good player in his own right, but they're looking ahead. Like, I don't think they're going to extend Kareem Hunt necessarily before the season or they're going to keep him after next year. I'm not sure, but he's on an affordable deal. He's a great football player. I don't see their team being better without Kareem Hunt by any stretch Mm -hmm. of the imagination. Kareem, to me, seems like someone we're drafting as an RB3, but Mm -hmm. as soon as week one rankings come around, it's going to be hard to keep out of the top 24. I think he's a great draft pick right now. And I, I mean, I've had enough trepidation that I haven't really been taking him, but um, I mean, he could end up being an, an absolute screaming value. And it's because there seems to be a lack of clarity in the backfield behind Nick Chubb for the reasons that you mentioned, they drafted Jerome Ford. Dearness Johnson is like a low key baller. I mean, he had one of the best running back performances last year. And it was an Island game, maybe a Thursday game last year. One of the best running back performances uh, all, all season. Um, just from a visual standpoint, also as uh, was graded by PFF. I mean, he he was like one of the best runners in the NFL, if you look at PFF stuff. All three of them um, were. What are they putting yeah. in the water? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're rolling. They're getting back Jack Conklin, just activated him off the active uh, PUP. He's, a, he's an absolute stud run blocker. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say anything bad about Kareem Hunt in terms of his fantasy ADP right now. I mean, I, I think he's a steal. Yeah, I have all those guys pretty close together, like Stevenson, um, Hunt, a um, couple other guys like here. Like, I know that you're above James Cook on consensus. We talked mm-hmm. briefly about him, you know, over on uh, ETR a couple weeks back. And then you've also got Rashad White. Um, when I last checked, I think you had him 88 and 90 overall. Do you see both of those players carving out a significant role this season, you know, or do you think it's more of a contingency plan or maybe maybe a bit of both? And, like, what's your bull case like for each guy? The bull case for James Cook, of course, is that, you know, he's going to be locked into the receiving game work. And then could he overtake 
Devin Singletary from an early down standpoint, and I think that that's possible. Devin Singletary is a pretty good runner, but he's also like, I mean, he's not really built to be a belt cow. I mean, he's 5'9", 203. You know, James Cook is no smaller than him. He's like, what, 5'10", 5'11", 199, four-pound difference. I was yelling about this earlier. Four-pound, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, we're, you know, Devin Devin Singletary is no uh, bulldozer, you know, on the early downs. Um, So that's the bull case for James Cook in, you know, maybe the best offense in the league. I mean, so – and then Rashad White, we have another situation where, yeah, I mean, I think that Leonard Fournette is probably locked into the role, or at least to begin the season, locked into the role that he had last year. He also, like, fell out of shape during the offseason. Did that piss off anybody in the organization? They did draft this running back. He's really good in the passing game in the third round. And if anything happens to Leonard Fournette, like, you know the 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 roof the the ceiling is very very high for Rashad White. So I think those are the two, and in another great offense. So those are the two bull cases for those guys. And you know what? It's quite possible that at no point in the season either guy is usable, especially Rashad White. Um, I think that James Cook will reach a level of usability, but it could, it could also be a very capped ceiling level of usability. You know, in terms of his bearish case, Devin Singletary main, ma- maintains the early down stuff all year. Josh Allen scores freaking 10 rushing TDs, and we don't really get a whole lot from James Cook. But I think we're on the same page regarding James Cook, Dwayne. Um, I don't know. Where are you on, on James Cook, Ian? I'm, I'm higher on him now because I hear Dwayne hype him up every single day. Uh, it is one of these things, though, where, <laughs> look, like, I, I think these days our base fantasy style is full PPR, and – who gives a shit about a guy getting 250 carries if we have a yeah. running back that can get 70 plus targets? And, you know, Dwayne's used this example before. You know, we look at Josh Allen and some of these mobile quarterbacks. And I think it is a good broad stroke to, you know, look at the the negative impacts of the dual threat quarterback scrambling instead of checking down, you know, and also just being an extra threat to score around the goal line. But, you know, Cam Newton didn't throw to running backs until we had Christian McCaffrey and everything we hear our guy Ray G told us this morning, you know, James Cook, top graded passing, uh, receiving running back coming out. You watch the things he did and he does seem to have a chance to kind of enter the Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Naeem Hines stratosphere of actually being legit, you know, receiving threats as opposed to just uh, the pass catcher. One final note on him too: uh, Eric Eager and our uh, research and development team has done some really cool stuff. With some of our, uh, you know, just smart ass interns that are now moving on to these NFL front offices, really doing something with their lives. Uh, we're still here just, you know, talking fantasy football. I love it though, and I know you guys do as well. But anyway, basically, Eric figured out that the Bills, they were really good at having perfectly blocked run plays last year, all five offensive linemen executing it, but they, their like ability to get more yards than expected on those plays was very minimal. You know, we're not seeing the big runs from Moss and Singletary. They're shifty, but they weren't getting more than what was really blocked for them. James Cook averaged over nine yards per carry in his career when the play was perfectly blocked. Like, Evan, if the issue is, okay, like James Cook, he's not the best guy to run it, you know, into the A-gap, I'm not so sure that the Bills are all that interested in running into the A-gap. Mm-hmm. We've seen them, you know, mess around with Isaiah McKenzie playing running back over the years. Like, you could argue the pole case for James Cook is like, this new 2022 Gen Z running back where mm-hmm. we don't need to give him the ball 15 times on the ground anymore. Let's make this, put this dude in a fantasy football laboratory basically and throw him the ball eight, yeah. 10 times again. Yeah. And then when he does hit the a gap, like he's probably going to go real long. There's know, five real, guys in the he's box run That's... real far. Yeah. Yeah. There's five guys in the box. He runs four, four, two. 
Devin Singletary ran like four six six. So yeah, when he hits the A gap and there's some space, like look out. Yeah, so it's like his floor is really well. McKissick's got three guys he's dealing with now, you know, with Gibson. But like when McKissick was, you know, splitting a little work, but mostly getting passing downs. Like his floors for for Cooks probably more like a Naheem Hines, but I think he mm-hmm. just has more ceiling than both of those. And honestly, even if you're looking at his floor, because the Bills throw the ball, you know, over the league average in every single game strip, leading, trailing, you know, tie doesn't matter. They throw the ball so much. It's like people got to factor that in too. Like, so being the passing down back on the bills, if they're really going to use it, like that's an immediate upgrade just because of the offense you're in. If you want to be a dick and take like the finish and not the per game kind of stats, you, know, you can do that. Mm. So you have the guys with the buys. But before he got hurt last year, Jaden McKissick, RB22. I mean, he only had one uh, one less top 24 finish than Antonio Gibson. Only Alvin Kamara has more freaking targets than McKissick over the last two years. So if that's our worst case for James Cook, and I know you're not necessarily saying, Dwayne, that you know he's going to get all of those targets. But hey, that role, again, in full PPR don't underestimate the upside that's there. Like we had this idea of like, boom, these upside players are the ones scoring the long touchdowns. Like, man, I'll take 10 catches for a hundred yards over one catch for a hundred yards, you know, eight days. That's just how the game works. So not exactly. And Singletary was our worst graded running back in mm-hmm. the receiving game of everyone with 200 routes last year. So, I mean, it, it, I think it's pretty clear that I think James, I'm assuming James Cook pretty much is going to get most of those targets, you know? I mean, so it's like, cause I've had some people, well, you know, you're going to have, you know, Singletary out there on the early downs, yada, 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 or, or no Singletary will be out there on the running downs. And my question is like, well, how many running downs are we getting with the bills? Cause I don't know. Like you tell me. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if all of a sudden it doesn't just mean long down and distance and two minute offense, and it's just, Oh, we're just going to want to have him out there. Cause we're a passing down team. Like, that's where the boom case, you know, comes from for me, even if he doesn't get more carries. A couple wide receiver questions for you, Evan. So AJ Brown, we all know the guy is an absolute dog. Is switching teams, though. We've seen some knee issues. He overcomes them. Dwayne did a good job showing that even last year. If you look at his just points per game, they are down. But when you actually take out the games where he was, you know, actively injured in, he we really didn't see much of a drop-off. But notice you have AJ Brown, wide receiver 17 in the rankings, and he's a guy that I've kind of given the benefit of the doubt. I think I have him wide receiver 13. And after that's kind of when I start wondering, but mm-hmm. there really, there might be a lower floor here for AJ Brown than we're giving credit to. Like one, mm-hmm. one of the things Evan, that I try to just be cautious of like Debo Samuel and um, Jonathan Taylor, guys that don't necessarily have like the best, most fancy friendly workloads in the world, but they're all world at what they do. So it doesn't really matter. That's great. It's also you know, we need AJ Brown. If he's only going to get a hundred targets in Philly, he better be that good. Otherwise we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And I do think it's important to point out that in the past, AJ Brown, I mean, he hasn't been a massive target guy. I mean, cause I mean, he's been playing in a run first offense in Tennessee. Right. Um, but, um, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, he has succeeded on lower target volume because he can be so hyper efficient. I mean, his yards per route run is just, out of this world every year, even, even during his injured years. Um, He's a scary guy to be below ADP on and I'm below ADP on, on him right now. But, you know, I think it, it it partly has to do with this tier that he's in. Now, again, I, when I do my top 150, I have it, you know, the, the, the foundation of it is the tiers. So you'll see a, a bunch of receivers sort of all in the same range, kind of, you know, tightly bunched together with some other guys mixed in. But, you know, in, in terms of receivers, like in this second tier, 
I've got ahead of him, and I think all these are reasonable. T. Higgins, DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen, and then Cortland Sutton, and then I have A.J. Brown at wide receiver 17. All those guys are really good picks, and I think at the end of the day, and, I, and, I, and I've, I've stuck by this in my personal drafts, you know, sticking by uh, this ranking, that I'm taking all those guys ahead of A.J. Brown. Um, even though I absolutely believe in him as a player, um, his his target projection isn't very strong. His quarterback plays, I think quarterback play, Jalen Hurts might be as good as, as Ryan Tannehill, but I think as a passer, probably not as consistent yeah. as Ryan Tannehill. Um, and there's, there's just, there's more ball competition in Philadelphia. And I think they're, I mean, they're going to run the piss out of the ball and, and as they should, because that's what the the complexion of their you're just going to be really relying on efficiency and AJ Brown has shown that he can do that but in, in it's the situation's a little bit different any chance you think they throw the ball more like i i, I did a piece two pieces last week one on AFC one on MC and like what's the biggest question like for every team mm-hmm. and that was my question for the for the eagles like if we if we guess, and we may not be able to deduce this, right? Because a lot of times yeah. teams don't really give us this sort of thing. They don't want to let us know really what they're going to do. But if we could ask the coaching staff one thing and they told us the truth, I would really want to know. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. how run heavy are they going to be? It's probably going to be somewhere in between the way they started the season last year, which was nuts. Sure. They threw the ball all the time. I don't think we're going to see that, right? No. But maybe we won't see them be quite as run heavy, you know, as what we saw at the end of the year. Um, obviously, we have a quarterback like Hertz that uh, that immediately amps up, like how many times you're probably going to run the football. Right. So, any thought there? Like after they add, you know, Brown plus spent an early first round pick last year on Devonta Smith. Um, you know, we've got Dallas Goddard now finally freed. You know, from Zach Ertz, he was a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Any any chance you think that we might see a little bit more passing, and maybe that's an out for AJ Brown. I mean, of course, there there's a chance. You know, I mean, their their early season mindset last year reflects that they want to throw the ball more, right? And they kind of settled in, and they wound up being a playoff team. Uh, you know, they they were looking like rough early in the year. People were like, oh, you know, I mean, they were they were like, you know, there was talk that they they should play Gardner Minshew over Jalen Hurts at one point last year. Um, they certainly could throw the ball more. I, I don't think that they should. So maybe I'm letting that bleed too much into my analysis because I think that when you have a top three offensive line, you have a dual threat playmaking quarterback, you know, just the way that they're built from a roster standpoint, they don't seem to be a team that I would, I would think that should, you know, all of a sudden change the way they're playing. They were so successful doing what they did. They're, they're going to be hyper-efficient on the ground. They're going to be a hyper-efficient offense. And, then, and, and that contributes to why I like, you know, Miles Sanders – as a value because touchdown regression in a, in a positive manner should hit him big time this season. Um, I don't know. And AJ Brown could score a lot of touchdowns too. It's, you know, I mean, I think yeah, we hit on it. In price, I, I, though, to your I, point. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, of course. I think. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But yeah, you got to take um, AJ Brown in the early to middle third, typically yep. you, where you're getting, like you mentioned. It was, it was wild with that one streak. Uh, I remember the, the first year that Adam Gase was with the Jets, he and Darnold had that just fraudulent, you know, end of run to the season. They finished mm-hmm. like seven and nine. And everyone's like, what the hell? How, how did this happen? You look at the Eagles. They really made that offensive switch after losing to the Raiders. They were two and five. And 
hey, a win is a win is a win. I'm not saying all these football teams were terrible, but you look at the teams they played and got their wins against down the stretch, and you see why they were able to run the ball and just kind of win without much more. I mean, the Lions, the Broncos, the Taysom Hill-led Saints, the Jets, Washington twice, the Giants. To me, they had a lot of vibes as the Dolphins last year who made that second half stretch and absolutely no one really cared because we kind of looked at the guys that were playing in the on-field product. But I do think, Evan, the main thing is when we saw them become literally the most run-heavy team in the league from week seven on, expecting that Mm -hmm. to go like in the top five, top ten, wishful thinking. And I think, you know, again, expecting a little bit of a bump is fair. Let's just not get too carried away. Got two more uh, main questions and then a quick rapid-fire round for you. First of all, Evan, KC and Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. We know these guys are going to put up numbers. The wide receivers are as cheap as ever. At cost, is there a wide receiver that you are just finding yourself targeting more than anyone else in both Kansas City and Green Bay? Be careful if you say Alan Lazard, Dwayne will get angry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's got to be Romeo Dubs right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, got to be Romeo Dubs in Green Bay. And uh, this is is painful to admit in Kansas City. But, uh, well, I mean, it's Travis Kelsey because he, he's like, right. I mean, maybe my late, favorite late first round pick at this point. God, I love taking him in tight end premium. Yeah. But, um, McCole Hardman. Oh, okay. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. Who, who, but, who are you thinking I might say? I thought you were going to say Juju, bro. I was going to oh. turn the podcast off. What's here. funny is like he, <laughs> Ian actually sees more in Mikol Hardman at this point than Juju somehow. So, so tell us just a little bit about your thought process on Mikol. I mean, uh, Evan, because this guy just, that I, I haven't been on him. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. You know, I mean, <laughs> this sounds like a really strong argument. So, 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 sounds like you've been watching McCole Hardman play for the last couple of years. Um, uh, yeah, no, mine's Sky Moore. Mine's Sky right, Moore. So. All right, yeah, I mean, he's he's starting to get up there a little bit though for me. I mean, McCole Hardman, you can get him thirteenth round pretty much every time. And I mean, who's to say he's not going to get the first crack at the Tyreek role? Do I think he's going to be as good? No, I mean, but he has had big moments. I mean, he's definitely had some big moments. He's shown that he has big play potential. And, I mean, I, I when I was doing my Chiefs team preview and I was doing, like, the projected starting lineup, like, McCall Hardman, like, is a starter right now, I think. So uh, that's enough for me. I think that's the concern with both of these rooms, potentially, if they're going to actually have four or five wide receivers involved instead of just yeah. three. Because, yeah, it could be Mikol sky juju kind of working those underneath intermediate areas mbs clearing it out but to your yep. original point it's just that you're gonna be the travis kelsey show more than anything there with the uh, romeo dubs just doing his damn thing out there every single day in practice with that constant uh drum beat is sammy Watkins gonna be another progress stopper though that's the concern here the guy mm. kept bateman on the bench last year i would feel a lot better about dobbs if uh Watkins just doesn't even make the team it it is wild though man because we're, again we're talking about sky Moore getting up there even miko is going in the wide receiver 60 range we look at Watkins, dobbs and like randall cobb and amari rogers these guys are going outside the top 80 so if we mm-hmm. can figure out the green bay situation i mean we can use like a last round pick to get some of these guys yeah, I always feel uncomfortable saying positive things about Sammy Watkins. Like, I, I can't say him in front of Levitan. He just <laughs> he's had enough, you know. He's had enough, and I, and I get it. It's enough already with Sammy Watkins. But he's a veteran receiver who could earn Aaron Rodgers' trust in a wide open wide receiver depth chart situation. So I, I'm not shutting my my eyes to him. Um, I've had him at like at literally player 150 in my top 150 or somewhere like a, a, a right around there for weeks. 
And that's just because veteran receiver in an Aaron Rodgers offense and, you know, with uh, weak competition for, for snaps out there right now. Also part of the best shape ever club, I believe. Yep. So you got to count that. <laughs> I, I've, I've won except Leonard Fournette. <laughs> yeah, Leonard's yeah. the only one. So one more receiver here, Evan, then we'll jump to these uh, rapid fire. So Metcalf. I noticed you got him at wide receiver 34. Ian busts my balls every podcast because I have him. I had him near 30. I've got so him like 26 now. I've so got him good. well, but I have, and look, I say this, I'm like you, Evan. I create my tiers. That's how I start the mm-hmm. rank. So Metcalf talent profile looks great, but oh my God, everything else scares the piss out of me. Everything else. <laughs> everything so else. Thoughts, go with it. And would you really, the way I put it, would you really take him over Robert Woods? Because <laughs> that's the test. Um, or would you take Robert Woods over him? Sorry, you've got Woods one spot ahead of Metcalf in your rank. <laughs> That's straight disrespect, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess I'd take Metcalf, but that's only because I know I could come back and get Woods in the next round. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, like, like Evan, if Kirk yeah. Cousins got hurt and we had Sean Mannion firing up passes to Justin Jefferson, would we really be ranking 30 receivers ahead of Justin Jefferson? Like, that's kind of how... Uh, DK Metcalf's not as good as Justin Jefferson, though. I think they're... Bro, I mean, they were both top five dynasty receivers this time last year. I'm giving... Jefferson's better. That's fine. Metcalf is not far off, though. But it's also, like, the offense itself. Um, You know, the the offense itself could be so bad. I mean, I don't know how they're they're going to get first downs, like... I I, I don't worry about that. Even like even PFF, their O line ranking, they had Seattle like thirty first or thirty second. Dwayne, say this. Actually, I think it was dead last. I think it was dead last. What do you want me to say? You want me to pull out? This is like that. It's like that Simpsons meme where they're like, Bart, say the joke. I'm like, Dwayne, say the stat about the Bills running two more games worth of plays. The Bills, the the Bills ran three games worth more plays (laughs) than the Seahawks players last year. Uh, The Seahawks ran two full games less than the NFL average team. So that's not good for your fantasy team when your team runs two games less worth of plays than the yeah. average team. Yeah, right. that's bad. That's wild. We'll get so Evan, this. if you can use one word to describe the Seahawks offense, like 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 what's coming to mind here? Oh, trash. <laughs> I was gonna say stagnant. I was gonna, I was gonna say fuck, but <laughs> either way, Ian, you win. Ian, you right. win. Evan, great stuff. And so we're going to do some quick hitters here. I'm going to ask you the questions. Dwayne and I aren't even going to respond. Just as few as words, few may as many words as you want. So when I say week one ranking range, I'm like, don't consider the matchups or anything. I'm just saying like, mm-hmm. not rest of season, just like a single week. Where is, do you think you might rank these guys? So week one ranking range for Chris Goblin with no health concerns. He, I mean, he would be a second round fantasy pick with no health concerns. Yeah. So Wide receiver, thirteen. Sounds sounds right to me. Week one ranking range for Michael Thomas with no health concerns. Wide receiver, twenty two. Okay. Week one ranking range for Isaiah McKenzie if we know he has the full time slot role. I don't do the fantasy pros ranking shit. So no, I'm not. I'm just asking okay, for like, right, right, look, right, look. Right. Even like, if you just say range, low end wide receiver three. You know, it's yeah. Okay. Okay. Four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Wait, Isaiah McKenzie, what now? If we what know Kirby? if we know Crowder's out of the picture, we know oh. McKenzie's got the full time slot role. Ooh. Um, wide receiver thirty-four. Okay. Week one ranking range for Josh Palmer. If we know he has the full time number three role, Jalen Guyton's out of the picture. Wide receiver 40, 42. Okay. 
week one ranking range for Kareem Hunt with his usual role he's had the last two seasons? Yeah, RB 20. Hell yeah. Week one ranking range for Daryl Henderson if Sean McVay mm. is actually telling the truth and they split the backfield. Mm. Yeah, that's that was an interesting nugget, wasn't it? I mean, and it makes sense too. It makes sense because Daryl Henderson's pretty good in a in like a like a fifty uh, fifty sort of usage stamp. Mm-hmm. And then um, Cam Akers is still, probably still coming back from that Achilles somewhat. I, RB thirty five. This surprised me yesterday. Henderson had the second most routes last year in the slaughter out wide among all running backs. Only Cordero wow. Patterson was higher. And yeah, we saw him do a little bit of that. So, all right. Boom case for Robert Woods. Just that he, uh, Traylon Burks just doesn't, you know, I mean, he, he won a lot on manufactured routes in, in college, not a lot of pro style stuff. And he takes time to adjust. I mean, Mike Renner and Matt Harmon kind of both ripped apart his, his college tape. Okay. Um, so let's just say that he doesn't fire. He doesn't even start. He doesn't even begin the season as a starter. Nick Westbrook Akine starts over Traylon Burks. Robert Woods riffs big time with Ryan Tannehill. We've already heard really positive reports about uh, Robert Woods' recovery. And, I mean, you know, he's, he gets out there and he catches five balls a game. Yeah. Boom case for Christian Kirk. Big second-year leap for Trevor Lawrence under Doug Peterson getting away from Urban Meyer. Christian Kirk is the clear one there. I mean, we're talking about Zay Jones in Jacksonville, and Marvin Jones is 32, and I think that the the, the wheels are starting to come off for him. So I think that there's a very, very much a, a bull case to be made for Christian Kirk and that he has like 1,200-yard potential. Boom case for Mr. Joe Burrow. Like, could he actually be like the overall QB one, you think, if he has everything go right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he absolutely can. I mean, I kind of like the addition of Hayden Hurst. I, I kind of like him in tight end premium. No no one takes him there. Um, Hear that, Dwayne? See Higgins. That was, that was and, the other name I won't let Ian pick. And, and not, <laughs> I, actually, I actually agree with you, Evan. I do like Hurst, but I just – we took Kittle in that one. I was like, come That's, on, let's just yeah, keep taking yeah. upside players at other okay. spots. Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily against Hurst. <laughs> T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase just, you know, I mean, they continue to lit the, light the league on fire. I mean, they're so young. T. Higgins 24, Jamar Chase with like 23. I mean, <laughs> the, ups, the upside, Tyler Boyd's still solid. Last year they began the season playing pretty conservatively. I remember we were disappointed. We thought that they might come out more aggressive. The pass rate had been really high in previous seasons for Zach Taylor. And they came out pretty conservative in the first six games, and it made all the sense in the world because their offensive line was terrible, and Joe Burrow was coming off a double knee ligament tear. Now their offensive line looks good. Joe Burrow is you know, a full year removed from that. So um, I, I think there's a real strong bull case to be made there for, uh, for Joe Burrow. Number one in dropbacks as a rookie before he got hurt originally. It would be awesome to see that again. Final one, Evan. Overall, like, how are you treating Alvin Kamara, basically, with everything going on? I, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to uh, not be suspended this year. So I moved him up 17 overall, I believe, is where I have him. Nice. So I'm, I'm not moving him up any more than that because I think that there are some concerns about the the offense in the, the post-Sean Payton era – Jameis Winston, not really, you know, the, the biggest check down quarterback. I don't think Michael Thomas is back. They traded an arm and a leg to go get Chris Olave. You know, they're not out there starting Marquez Callaway and, and Deontay Hardy and Traquan Smith at receiver anymore. All those guys moved down the depth chart. Uh, 
So I, I, I don't think it's going to be – and we had Nick Underhill on, on our show, and we're like you – know, he's like, it's not going to be 80 catches every year anymore for Alvin Kamara. But I still think he can get 60 and be a solid middle second-round pick, um, and, and that's where I have him. I'm just devastated that we lost the uh, Alvin Kamara 81 reception thing three straight years. We still got the DJ or DJ Moore 1,200 yards, four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm blabbering. Evan, thank you so much, man. Fantastic stuff, as everyone knows, at Evan Silva on Twitter. And truly, I mean, the, the just suite of options you guys have out of Establish the Run. I mean, Draft Kit Pro, you know, if you're just out here doing a couple drafts, we, you guys have a normal Draft Kit for 35 bucks in season or – Go get freaking everything, the DFS bundle. You guys have a nice, you know, again, offering for, you know, the casual players and also the hardcores and can't say enough good things about the preseason DFS package in particular. Uh, you know, no one's grinding harder out there than our guy, Cody Main, and, of course, you and the rest of the team. Anything else you want to get off your chest, Evan? No, just thanks so much, guys, for having me. This is always a blast. Let's, let's keep doing it every year. Dwayne, final thoughts? No, man, no. Just happy to have Evan on. Appreciate him jumping on. Again, we love ETR. You know, that's where I was before PFF. So, you know, I always love ETR. Hell yes. Great day to be great, everyone. For Evan, for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.